could change the year, you could change the rule, but another MSI ends with another Xiaohu Championship, this time in the mid lane. RNG are your MSI champions. T1, not R were overrated, but were overrated and were proven so here. Although uh, they did kind of speed through Europe and uh, RNG did speed through NA and NA did look a little bit better than maybe Europe did in their 3-0. We were comparing 3-0s on Saturday, on Friday and Saturday nights, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, you can do that in the comments here on the jungle with myself, Dom and Monty here. And let's start it off with one of the comments from you all because we're only 100 viewers away, 100 subs away from passing uh, Astralis. So make sure to hit that subscribe button because we do all of the fan interaction right here, right now, right off the top. So here we go. This is from I'm Everywhere. He says, listen up. Vulcan will be the reason EG lose game four against RNG from a position where they were able to come back from a five cold deficit with a composition that outscales, including Danny on Jinx. That's how smart our fans are, Dom. That's how smart our fans are, Monty. They're calling out exactly what happened in game four against RNG. <laughs> game four is very specific. I wonder like where that's coming from. Where, I mean, there's no chance they're getting to game four. Uh, like, there was zero <laughs> chance they were getting to game four in this series. I, yep. it, took, it took another EG comeback miracle. I mean, EG is so boosted by the fact that objective bounties even exist. It was another game in game three where they're down 10,000 gold. They make, to, to their credit, they do make a great pick at the Baron and they do force the issue, right? Get a couple Barons, do give up the Dragon Soul. Then, of course, they, they, you know, they get the Elder Dragon. So they make these games long and scrappy, but unfortunately, they're so far down most of the time that they're not actually able to come back fully into it, especially when you give up a Hextech Soul over to RNG. It's just a matter of RNG patiently turtling, waiting it out, you know, playing their advantages in the long run. And that's what happens. So EG is like the false hope team. I, I do credit them because unlike most NA teams, they don't just roll over and die. They at least fight right. to the bitter end, which I love about them. I love about them. But they are just so incredibly boosted by objective. If objective bounties were taken out of this game, EG would be getting giga clapped, guys. You better hope Riot doesn't do anything to objective bounties if you're an EG fan. You know well, uh, I mean, what else is giga boosted, and this is this is for you, Dom. Okay, uh, sure. a, a couple, a couple of the comments from our fans last week, because we had a lot of people kind of, kind of taking some things out of context, and we we just picked a couple of examples, just you know, uh, because there weren't that many. We had to dig some a little bit, but we voted comments that were actually there. These weren't like downvoted, <laughs> like like oh let's 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 go through the weeds to try to like portray a false narrative. Like no, these were just like probably three out of the five most upvoted comments on the entire video so yeah let's start with this one right here the light says just a reminder that dom said gen g was trash all of last year and he said they would get destroyed by lng and mad lions he said t1 was worse than mad lions and that hanwa life wouldn't make top eight at worlds dom knows absolutely nothing about the lck and the composition of the teams and the players there so take everything he says about LCK and LCK players with the grain of salt. Everything you said was a lie. Well, I mean, uh, the thing that's ironic about it is that he literally lies four times in one comment. And then he just tries <laughs> to make it seem like, like, yeah, like, yeah, if I did all that stuff, it would be delusional. But actually, I did pick Gen G to advance over LNG. I had LNG not making out of groups. All my stuff is public. You literally go back and look at it now. 
And the only reason I had Hanwell Life above Fnatic was because I didn't know that Fnatic's fucking roster was going to explode and their AD carry wasn't going to go to the fucking tournament. So it's like, <laughs> so, so as soon as I knew that, I obviously corrected. Tom, how like, okay, dare well, you not be, a, uh, not be a psychic and know that Upset was not going to attend Worlds for a personal crisis? Yeah, so 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 the fanatic thing. As soon as I, I knew the roster that was going, I was like, okay, obviously Hanwha Life makes it out. I had RNG one <laughs> Hanwha Life two. That's literally exactly what happened. And then for the for the uh, comment about me saying that Genji was trash all year, I never said Genji was trash. I said I hate Genji. I said I hate watching fucking Genji. I didn't say they were a trash team. I said that they're just uninspiring. They're never going to be a fucking champion. Like that team is just they, they were the most lifeless team available in 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 worlds uh of of 2020 they felt the same way in 2021 up until they went on that that little bit of like a, a run versus CD. they had a good series versus cdg i guess but i mean they're just a team that that i hated watching because you knew that they were not going to progress past a certain point so i, I think it's uh it's great when i see comments like this because i mean if all that stuff is true then yeah it would be really fucking delusional but then like you, you actually can just go back and see what the facts are. They're, they're actually just... You know they're not going to go available. back and, and check those facts, Tom. That's the thing. Why why would you do that when they can just spew lies on the internet instead and then seem like they were correct? Well, the and it gets is, upvoted. <laughs> well, I mean, th this, this was literally just a bunch of bandwagon T1 fans that saw the title T1 is overrated. And you can tell based off the other comments here that... People literally did not even watch the fucking show. They literally were just commenting based off the title because we didn't say T1 was like dog shit. We didn't say that or they wasn't. Were... I said they were going to win. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I thought that they were going to win three. I thought they were very close to RNG. But sure. The, yeah, you, you have to understand the context of what overrated was. <laughs> The, the rating that people had on them was that not that they were going to like win MSI. They were going to shit on everyone. Like yep. it was not supposed to be even close between T1, RNG, like uh, G2. Like it was just supposed to be T1 shitting on everyone. They're the best team in the history of LCK. People were talking about them being world champion champions, which still might happen. But in fucking March, it's a ridiculous claim. Like at this point, they're, they're definitely not informed to be world also, champions. Also, by the way, win fans, MSI. no one's ever won MSI and won worlds in the same year. That's never happened. Yeah. I mean, in a calendar year, you know, Kenzu kind of did it, but, you know, like, never in the same year. <laughs> never the same season. Like, yeah, what I'm saying is, like, the before they, before, like, you know, you change the patch, cha you know, cha have all the preseason big changes that Riot ever does. Yep. Yeah. No, sorry. Uh, I, I sorry. Sorry, RNG. Chew <laughs> up the next one, Degon. Let's just knock these All down. right. <laughs> yeah. Next one up. You know, I love this because we, we were talking about some T1 fans. This one, it's a fan of you. Has to be. Prawn with your crabby crab signature. icon. Your, your icon that you're now known to use. Dom saying that T1 gameplay isn't that different from domestic. Yikes. Can tell this guy doesn't watch LCK and barely shows up for MSI. As he himself stated, wow, another one where he's using and twisting your words a little bit here, Dom. Okay, so in this one, I, I, I like this one, uh, especially because they literally just proved that they only have one style this weekend. And they, they, they can't even adapt in five games to potentially like, do we do we take a Lissandra? Or do we do we maybe not take RE1-2? They couldn't even adapt in this series to anything else. What did Zeus play? He played Jace, he played it all fucking split. And then here he just plays it again in, in the <laughs> matches that matter the most. We'll get to and, this. And I, 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 so I, I wanna get to your tweet too, Dom, because I think it's true like what you were saying about Chinese teams being much more aggressive in game fives. I just mm -hmm. need, I need to get this off my chest right now. Like 
Are yeah. you fucking kidding me? Dom won in game five of Worlds last year. Who carries this team? Oh, that's right. It's Canyon. Let's put him on Trundle. And it's like, has Korea had a fucking great best of five series? It's time to put him on Yumi, right? That's not even remotely how you won these other two games. It's like they they take, they're like, well, surely this is the most conservative way to play the game rather than enabling their star players. Solutions. They, they, yeah, they take their star players and then they make them the, like the most passive reactive players in the game due to their their champ selections like it's fucking crazy like they, they try to just like default their way into a championship they're like we're just gonna just make sure nothing happens and we scale guys like we got a yumi on our team we have a jace just everyone hold your lanes hold off the onslaught and then like oh, rng just come yeah <laughs> rng just comes out trying to kill people they're like all right yeah. bot lane's dead at level one Faker's dead at level fucking two. Zhao, who's like trading flashes aggressively because he knows that that way is coming. So he gets out the flash right before the gank happens. Like, dude, the mentality different is, is, is so much. But then the, the hilarious part about this comment is that we've literally discussed LCK in detail on the show. How could I, like, you can go to the other episodes that we have where we've discussed all of playoffs. We, we uh, discussed games during the season. We discussed all the COVID bullshit that was going on. We were discussing LCK the entire fucking split. So the idea that I just don't watch any LCK and my things are unfounded, it's like, how the fuck could I somehow know what happened in all of the games without watching the fucking games? Like, we've literally <laughs> talked about it for fucking hours on the yeah. show. Uh, it's not like it's hidden away in some like, oh, well, Dom, I can't follow all your content. I only watch the jungle. It's like, dude, if you watch this show, it's literally right fucking there. You can click on any of the other episodes. Like, I don't know. <laughs> I, I forget how much time we did put into it. As much as, again, I won't claim I'm the expert, but I had to watch that shit too to remember that, like, Umti like took over the game for Fred Brian and like, you know, had himself like made playoffs. Like that was all great moments, but we've definitely put in the time to at least watch it. And these two guys definitely can ingest uh, much faster than anyone else, especially in uh, our comment section. And our last one yeah. here, and because by the, I do want to, yeah. By the way, guys, this is the only show in League of Legends that actually covers all of the big games that happen around the world every single week. Like we coordinate on this shit and we say, okay, these are the big games coming up. We all need to make sure if, you know, for example, if there's an upset or something, we also message each other and are like, hey, check out this game or whatever so we can talk about it. This is the only fucking show in League of Legends that does that. The only one, guys. The only one. Yeah. Uh, but apparently we don't, we don't do it well enough. <laughs> no, I don't. You guys do. I, I'm the one that doesn't because yeah, I, ha that's I, ha right. I have the LPL bias. So I'm the one that doesn't, doesn't actually do my fucking job uh the last one it, it got uh upvoted a little bit on our on our uh on our own video here it was do you think t1's overrated right nice and easy it's it's a safe question it, it seems like a straight up answer but phil pendo wants to make it complicated ask again next week uh what like hey, can, can you so, ask me can, can you ask me uh, el dominico do, do you think that yes. t1 are overrated yes. Yes, they're fucking overrated. Yes, they were overrated. They're uh, by the way, fucking overrated. Is, is it? Let me let me let me ask a different question because the the overrated thing because obviously Thorin tweeted recently about Fallen being overrated in Counter Strike, right? Oh, and yeah. then everybody got giga mad. And it doesn't yeah. mean you're a bad player, guys. Like I I don't understand. Is Gen Z are they just so dumb that they can't understand the difference between overrated and underrated? Because let me explain it to you. You can be the best team or player in the world and still be overrated. You can be the worst player or team in the world and be underrated. These are these things are possible. 
It's And it's not saying that T1 can't win the tournament. It's not saying that they can't win Worlds. It's just saying that the ridiculous amount of hype, ignoring all of the flaws with this team that we have amply pointed out on this show, you know, they were barely winning a lot of the best of threes that they did win. Their main opponent, Gen G, was like crippled by COVID, did, like had substitutes. Baron, uh, you know, elder, they were flipping like, a Baron in the, in the finals. Like these are very clear flaws. Both the Dom Juan and, series were fucking close. Like, oh, yeah. come on, guys. Come on. Yeah. Like they did not yeah. fucking piss in everyone's face. Like they actually yeah. played games that were close and they won off flips in games. There was, yes. they had a really good early game. That's why they should have won the tournament. Correct. As this tournament progressed and, and also they have a really good matchup into RNG stylistically from watching this tournament. Yes. I wonder how they're going to fucking play into TES. How would they play into TES? Because TES shit on RNG early game. Every fucking yes. game. They're all up in RNG every single early game and RNG I, had to come back. I do think though that if we're if we're honest about RNG at the same time, the difference between them and MSI and LPL playoffs is like Wei had a bad LPL playoffs. He played significantly better, looked a lot more comfortable in this. So I don't think it's fair to pretend that RNG was having the same form in the early game that they had in LPL playoffs as they did in this tournament because they did just play better independently of their opponent. I don't think so. I, I actually disagree with that. I think that that LPL teams are just way fucking better early game. And like, I think a that's, lot of that is true. <laughs> that is yeah. true. But I, I just think that like when I go back to these games, right, I'm thinking about the, the games that we just saw, right, where, where you have been inting, just running it down and like that, their whole early game. That reminded me so much of what RNG did in LPL playoffs, where Way is never around bot. Bot is just like winning on its own. Way is just going top. Somehow they're losing out on the top situations, even though Way is investing his time. I mean, we saw well, Zeus he was investing his time them. walking into the enemy tower and dying at times. He wasn't helping actively. <laughs> yeah, I mean, moments. one of them, one of them, <laughs> one of them was was always inting. But my my point is that like I actually think that that top esports now to me appears like one of the best early game teams in the world when they are super sure, coordinated yeah. and they play like they play the 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 champions for it. So watching watching this series, I mean. It just made me think, like, it, it was T1's early game actually that insane? Because I'm I'm watching T1's early game, and like it was pretty fucking bad the entire time. And it's not just in terms of, oh, there's 35 pings, so they have worse mechanics. Like, if you watch the games, no, they're, losing, they're losing 5v4s on Herald versus RNG. RNG is taking a straight-up 5v4 on Herald. That, that was terrible. To, that was really embarrassing. This is supposed to be RNG's biggest weakness. RNG would lose every Herald fight, no matter what. I mean, like, in was... that game, in that game, it was wild because it was not only losing the five v four Dom. It was that they, I think, we, we that was the game. No, it wasn't the game where they had the support ult at six faster. Um, but it was because Faker yeah. just also didn't rotate over to the Herald at the start well, of the fight. Because, and because T one is yeah, exactly. I know. I know exactly what you're going to say. But the yeah. problem is that T1 just expects teams to give that. They're like, oh, their yep. AD carries bottom, our AD carries here. It's a five v four. Of course, they're not going to contest. Yep. I mean, that's just what it is. <laughs> and you look at the angle that they took by RNG. I thought that was a really fucking insane contest. If you, if you don't know what we're talking about, game three, Herald yes. fight. This is the one where they have a bra. Uh, what would you say? Eight fifty. Yeah, yeah, 850. And Jiao, who actually is, is playing Lissandra, they drop a pink ward in the pit, and instead of eing into the enemy team so they can see where the claws, he ease into the pit that is pinked so that no one can see it, and then he just flashes over, ults the jungler, and they just one-shot the Wukong. Viego gets a reset, tears up the whole fight. Win a win a, a 4v5 hard. Like, I think it was, at the end of it, maybe it was uh, two for four or something, and then Gala's just getting plates at the, at 
the same yeah. time as well. So it was, and it, it, was it was embarrassing too because Zayas actually got a very good uh, cannon ult off, off in that fight, but there was no follow up because Faker comes to the fight late. Then he's misses chasing everything. Bin around and he doesn't have any mana. So he actually can't kill Bin quickly. Well, he missed so everything. He's... That's why he had no mana. He missed his yeah. like. So he cut. Well, he also of... had to use two, I think, two ult charges. I'm remembering this off the top of my head. Two ult charges mm -hmm. to even get into the fight. And then by the time he reaches Bin, Bin has no HP, but Faker has no mana. And so he's just like autoing him slowly to death. And then there is no cleanup. So it, the whole thing was just awfully played by T1. Yeah. And it was a good exhaust. I mean, it was really well coordinated by, by RNG, though. I mean, that's those are the types of fights where I, where that's like why I like the LPL because even though that you can you can look at it and be like strategically they should never fight this so actually T1's the better team even though they lost T1's the better team because they made the more logical decision it's like the the idea that they know what the conditions are like way is obviously really fucking big at that point and they understand the condition is you have to one shot the jungler there so they invest so much to get that initial reset for way so he can carry the fight and even though the ezreal ult didn't hit you could see the coordination right like there's the pink ward the eon to the pink ward they know to one shot the jungler they time the engage right with when the ezreal ult is flying across just in case that that is like needed to do damage or just in case it hits the wukong or something maybe they can save like lissandra ult and they can just one shot him um cleanly off that I just think that that's the type of stuff that is really cool about League of Legends. Like when you make a play that the enemy team isn't expecting and the fact that you are so like you've prepped it going in, you're mentally like prepared for what you're about to do gives you such an advantage. Like th those are the moments where I'm like, damn, this is like good League of Legends, you know, because most teams would never fight that. Right. Most teams look at that and they're like, it's a 4v5. T1's the best Herald team in the world. It's a 4v5. Why are we fighting? We're getting free plates bot. That's supposed to be the trade. Our AD carries getting solo experience, free plates bot. What most teams would do is try to make the enemy team sweat for Herald. That's normally the idea. It's like, we're going to try to really just harass them here and make sure they can't get the Herald cleanly. And at the same time, Gaul is going to be huge. And our, like, even though you might end up getting more gold if you crash the, the, the Herald top or something and we go in a straight turret trade, though you might generate more gold or get first turret, the fact that it's going to be shared gold and shared experience compared to like the solo gold and solo experience on R80 carry, like that's going to be the, the deciding factor. That's why teams opt into that trade. So I don't know, man, like, like even though this was a three, two, I felt like RNG looked like the considerably better team in, in this series. Like even the games that T1 won, I thought were much closer than the games that aren't that, that RNG won. Like think about game two, Faker has to do this like insane Lissandra, like five man WR while they're on Baron to save the whole fucking game. Game four, they could have potentially won the dragon fight. They get the pick. They walk forward, die at the same time. And then suddenly like the, the whole fight ends. Like it wasn't, it wasn't like T1 played close to as well as RNG on the day, but like, despite the fact that the, the score line was three, two, like not every five game series is automatically close just because they played five games. I mean, I, I guess I could disagree about game two because I think that it was an extremely dangerous Baron call for for RNG, and I don't think Faker has to hit everybody uh, in order for that to work because the Jinx, I mean, the Jinx resets were definitely going to come through when the when RNG was so low in that pit regardless, I think. And Faker didn't have to hit absolutely everyone for them to roll up and clean up that fight. I think it was a bit of a desperation and a losing situation for RNG, and the existence of the Jinx made that very difficult. Um but I, I do think that at least in, in this matchup, you saw a lot of the limitations of T1 that we have been discussing in terms of the style of team compositions that they are capable of using. And they were really reluctant and almost arrogant. And, you know, to Dom's point, you know, he likes 
he likes seeing how teams problem solve in difficult situations around team fighting. I like seeing macro play and, you know, intelligent, you know, cross map play. And so for me, what I saw in game one from T1 was a really well executed early game that prioritized taking plates and like applying pressure very deliberately away from the enemy jungler and away from the enemy map play onto those plates. But I was very down uh, on them, their ability to execute that composition because playing these long range poke compositions in the mid and late game requires virtually no errors and a, and really just a dedication to objective control and proper vision control and the kind of fortitude to just stand your ground, get the poke down before you engage these team fights, make sure that your flanks are protected. And it, only very disciplined mid and late game teams can accomplish these goals. And so even though they played this really nice macro, I think in the early game that was entirely based around maximizing plate gold and max, you know, getting the first turrets down, the first ring of turrets down, they played those those fights very badly. They got themselves into a dragon hole where they they basically a hole in terms of being behind in dragons where they had to fight. And then they allowed a flank that never should have occurred uh, within these late games. And so to me, that's the big flaw with T1 is that they don't seem to understand the their that own dragon limits. Exists. That they don't yeah. know that dragon exists. That's the <laughs> biggest. We've no, the they know it exists. They, never do they were they, there. They never do it. They never do dragons. Period. They're always in a two dragon hole. No, 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 like, no, no. I don't. I don't. You are correct, but I don't disagree with that in theory. If you are capable of executing those fights properly. But the problem is they ignore dragon and then suck at getting, like making sure the enemy doesn't get the third and fourth dragon. So that's the problem is it's like, they appear to be so unaware of their own limitations. And they they think that because they play so well around these early games, that that is going to translate into a snowball into something that they can snowball when they are incapable of doing that. And their early games are still strong when they play more team fight compositions. Like the nerfed Jinx is dangerous to play in lane. Um, but it worked here because Gumiyushi and Korea did get out of lanes with the Jinx and Tom Kench combo. And once they're out of lane, you really see how good Korea is at Tom Kench. I talked about this all season so far, which is that Korea he is the star because Gumayushi will overextend. And it's it's champions like Thresh and Tom Kench that allow Korea to manipulate team fights for, and basically he's an eraser. I said this earlier. He's an eraser for the, mis, the, the, the mistakes that his team makes in terms of positioning. And he is very, very good at that. So once he escapes, you see the playmaking potential of this champion and you see how T1 um, is very good with these team fight compositions. So my question is, why take the risk of having these you know, winning lane, but very fragile compositions that really take a lot of discipline to pilot well in the mid and late game, if you are capable of surviving the laning phase with things that you are more comfortable playing in that same phase of the game. I don't even think that their like laning was, was like, so I think Zeus's laning was good. I think that mid and bot were generally like getting outplayed throughout most of the games. Like even in, in, in game two, for example, where, uh, Zhao was on the Ari and like his team is losing. Lissandra still looks good. It looks like Zhao who is really like managing cooldowns well. Like he is playing a lot of like he was instead of having to cleanse Lissandra ult, he was able to like see the animation cast of Lissandra ult and like R1 away from it. So he didn't have to burn his cleanse. And then you'd see like 
you'd see owner come in and try to like flash on him and he would instantly like r2 before the cc would land so he would actually get so much value out of like his re compared to like when faker was on the re side where it just didn't look like it was it, it was good at all right and then bot lane like bot lane was just like bad pretty much the entire i mean the, like game one i guess they did fine but it's like caitlin morglane gala got a kill level one that lane sounds fucking impossible by the way like if you told me like, hey, man, you're going to have to try to play uh, this lane. You're going to be playing uh, Tristana into Caitlyn Morgana. I would rage quit the game if, if my coach tried to tell me to, to go lane that shit. That should be, like, impossible. You are, like, losing turret plates the entire time. And it probably would have been if it wasn't for that level one death. But when you look at, like, these games, it's like, Gumayushi Guma and Karia, they, they looked really fucking sus in lane the entire tournament. And, like, you can't even say, oh, but it's all Gumayushi's fault. Game five, what the fuck is going yeah, on? Carrier is unattached, <laughs> just walking up. Just against like, the what do you think they're gonna do? That's bad. Yeah. <laughs> that was like it wasn't even one of those where like he was like mid-attached and like the Rakan canceled him out of it. It was like, oh, he was trying to outplay. It was just he was just standing there and just got W'd level one. The the games where they like outperformed bot lane was when Gala like randomly inted on Zaya like flashing into the turret like he fl he's flashing into the turret trying to kill gumiyushi and he dies bro i don't want to hear people telling me that gumiyushi is as good of an ad carry as gala anymore please please <laughs> we watched a whole tournament of him in like he was inting versus the fucking buffalo bro like he's inting versus the buffalo he's not as good as gala <laughs> it's just not no well, no sir now was now like one trick he didn't get kaiso one time in this final dude what like what do you uh, I don't understand. Look, I, I think I think you are overstating a bit because I think in some of the more difficult lanes, like Gumiyoshi didn't die on Jinx in either of the games that he played, and Korea died one time in the team in on Tom Kench in these games. Like oh, I think they do. Die is a Tom Kench. Like, <laughs> of course, like, that, yeah, but that's what I'm saying. That's how they play, Tom. That's how they've been playing all year. Like, I mean, they're able this... to play more aggressively than this. In, in they're not only playing like these weak, like we're gonna like fucking hide under win. a turret and hope that we're not gonna get yeah. railed by the enemy bot lane. Like they, they didn't have to do that. I just think that these are the team compositions that they've had success on. And they went back to that in this final. You know, people were telling me, oh, yeah, they can definitely play all of these other different styles of composition. Like, they went back to resets. They went back to the Jinx, guys. They went back to the Jace because that is the comfort pick for Zayas. And there are so many fucking wacky narratives about Zayas that have been going on. First off, people saying he's a rookie. What are you even talking about? He's he's not a rookie. He played in spring of 2021. He's just he's yeah, literally not a rookie. I, I did not. I, I have not seen that one. I missed <laughs> that, that that's, been a, that's been a common refrain that this guy is a rookie, right? Um, he is amazing mechanically at times. Like he's certainly a bright up and coming player, but he was he was put on the academy roster for summer of 2021. And he and then when Kana left the team, he came back as the full time starter for for this year. So. Zayas is a player that had experience in LCK last year in spring. So he is definitively not a rookie. Not a rookie. <laughs> and then and then number two, like, let's just talk about his champion pool. He's not a super experienced player. He's played less than 100 games. He's played 93 games of League of Legends in his career, right? And that's not a lot. It's a lot for an LCS player because they only play fucking 18 games a split and then maybe 18 games in the playoffs if they're lucky. But that's not a lot when you're playing two best of threes a week, right? And then on top of that, 
his champion pool, 73 of those 93 games are only on seven champions. Jace, Gwen, Nar, Gragas, Kennen, and Renekton. He never played Gangplank until MSI. He has never played a game of Orn ever professionally. And I think picking Orn would have probably been very smart. Banning Gwen and picking Orn would probably have been very smart for T1 in this series. Yeah. But he's never played it. So yeah, I, th this I, is I a, get what they mean. Like he's he, like he never got a full split before. You know, like he he played. How he was many sharing games? with Kana. He was sharing time with Kana yeah. in spring. So of, this is like his year. first like you are the starter. Like you're getting all the games. Like this is his first like real go at being a tier one like pro and he's he's obviously the youngest player on the team i thought he was the best player uh, on, on the no, team I, i'm not saying he's bad i'm just saying like there are just lies going on about him being a rookie and then also on top of that there wasn't there isn't a lot of reason to believe that he is an incredibly versatile player at this point in his career so the reason is, so i uh, so i don't think that this is this is actually true but i, I know why the community thinks this so generally, the champions that he plays are considered like the more difficult champions in League of Legends to play. So everyone always mentally does the thing where they're like, well, bro, if you can play Jace, you can play Orin. Like all the bad top laners can play Orin. Like none of the, <laughs> the, the none of the bad top laners can play Jace, right? So they think that like if you can play the more difficult champions, and it happens in all roles, right? Like it happens in jungle. If, you, if somebody's a really good Lee Sin player and there becomes like a, a Sejuani meta or something, people are like, okay, well, I mean, he plays Lee Sin. You think he's not going to have the mechanics to play Sejuani? Obviously, jungle is like a little bit more like brain-oriented, but it's just the type of um, thinking that goes on in the community. I mean, because he plays difficult champions and he understands like the finer dynamics of the lane, sure. he should theoretically be able to play these like easier champions. Uh, yeah, I get it. But, you know, at the same time, his Jace accounted for 15 games in the regular spring split. And the next one was Nar at six, right? He got Jace in almost, you know, in the vast majority of his games or like that was clearly his preferred pick, right? Yes. And he got it because it was never banned because there were either, you know, power picks that were being banned or teams were trying to ban out other players on T1. So he was basically in a position of comfort throughout most of his career. Over a quarter of his professional games are on Jace, guys. Like he constantly gets this pick and he does well with it. And he did what? Well, he did well in one game with it uh, here in, in lane. Well, he didn't get the chance. Like, I think both of his Jace games were fine. The game five, he like doesn't even get to play the game because right. of, I mean, because his it, other lanes yeah. ended and then like, yes, sure. Yeah, and then who's I just mean, that's in his lane level four. So, yeah. Um, but I, I'm just saying like, it's not. I, and again, this is not to say that Zayas is a bad player. I think Zayas is a very good player, but we have to be honest about where at the point he's at in his career. And if we're honest, he is neither a rookie. That is a lie. And then also, he's not a super veteran player yet. He's very young. He doesn't have a lot of experience um, on a variety of champions. And indeed, he was busting out picks that he's never played before at MSI itself. So I think you just have to reevaluate and say, is, is has he been overrated as a player i would say certainly he has and i think an inability to play orn really hurt t1 in this series like i think whether that was an ego move 
or you know, it, 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 I think it it's is reasonable. Red side. You can't play Ord on red side. Apparently. <laughs> right. That was something I wanted to get into. So I mean, I, like even in the EG game, EG was banning Gwen and playing Orn. And if you want to see the power of Orn, just watch that EG game three and see how they're 10k gold behind. And impact Orn is one of the main reasons they're able to get back into that game. It, it is a strong champion, but it, it did feel like at times that T1 was trying to ego ego win in, in this matchup. And in the first game of the series, I was like, wow, I think this composition is very risky. Like, you can win with it, but I don't think that T1 is the team that will win with it. And I think it's hard to execute, and I wouldn't have done this. And at the end of game one, I was thinking to myself, well, is this what they th is this their only strategy that they have? Or are they going to kind of go back to comfort or go back to team fighting? They went back to more of the team fighting play, and I think they saw more success with that. But they didn't have enough versions of that composition in order to play this out. And there were several ego moves that I saw. I think playing the Jace was an ego move after the nerf. Um, I think playing the Jinx had the had the potential to backfire on them, although it did not. But it was a comfort pick for them that did get them the two wins that they had in this series. And then I think also the insistence on prioritizing Ari when Xiaohu was very good on the Lissandra counterpick. And indeed, Faker was also pretty good on the Lissandra counterpick. And by the way, guys, Lissandra had a 100% win rate into Ari in this tournament. Ooh, that's a good one. Wait, but so... One thing that I saw from Rigby, who's the, the coach VG, um, that I thought was really that was a really good point that I didn't see anyone else making, was that Blue Side, he thinks that Blue Side should actually be worse as the series progressed because of the sure. fact that Lissandra was such a good counterpick to Ari. So what he was suggesting yes. is every team is R1, R2-ing Ari. But if you think Lissandra's a counterpick to Ari, why don't you pick other things, R1, R2, support, jungle? I mean, you probably yep. still keep the jungle pick. Pick anything else, right? If they take Ari B2, B3, then you answer with Lissandra on R3. Yes. If they give you Ari, then you get Ari, you ban out Lissandra. If they blind Lissandra, then you just take like Victor or some shit, or you just like count. So you can actually get yes. into an advantaged mid lane situation in draft if you actually believe in the Lissandra versus Ari counter. It feels like Lissandra versus Ari is a thing where like people thought it was a soft counter. And it well, ended up actually being a hard counter over I mean, the course here's, of life here, in this tournament. Here's, yeah. here's, the other, here's the other thing, Dom. It, uh, think about it this way, too. Okay, Jinx base HP is nerfed. She's a lot weaker in the early game. You have spent two games getting out of lane without dying on Jinx. So you, you assume, like, okay, well, we can play more passively, or we've taken this risk, and it, it's come off very well for us. They are first picking a Gwen that you haven't banned. So you can actually just straight up guarantee solo lane counter picks for yourself on red side. You guarantee them Like you, you get to choose the matchups effectively. If you want to, if you want to save your mid lane pick for the very last pick of the draft, that is technically an option for you. Yeah. I mean, I just think that they, that in general T1 didn't adapt at all throughout the series. Like I, I thought at some point, like what the fuck was the Nautilus ban game five game five, you're banning Nautilus over Gwen. Like how good do you think, Ming's Nautilus is like I, I think Ming's a great Nautilus, but like I've never seen a Nautilus that's as scary as a fucking Gwen. You know, like, <laughs> like that. I, I just I don't know about that. And then the other thing is like Lucian is banned the entire series. I mean, surely in five games you can drop at least one of these bands in C, you know? Or yep. you give over the Galio. You leave yeah, up also Galio the Galio and the Galio bands were super weird because even in game one, they didn't lose because of Galio. T1 
lost because they let Galio yeah. and and Gwen fuck them in in situations that they shouldn't. That Gal realistically, guys, that Galio should not have been able to do anything against a very well executed version of T1's composition. It was I their mean, own mistakes that caused the Galio to work, like sure. grouping up in the Baron pit. I can understand them not wanting to lose two games to Galio though, because like Jahu is literally undefeated on Galio this year, and he has he's like just absurdly sure. good at the champion. So I can understand that, but like the whole idea is that so you've already shown that you prepped a Galio counter, right? In in the G two series, you picked Tristana into Galio. So I was wondering where that went too. By the way, that was yeah. really so, weird. So that so you prepped one Galio counter. You know what the, the hardest Galio counter is supposed to be? It's supposed to be Lucian. Like Lucian has been historically a really, really bad matchup for Galio. Like Galio is just supposed to get completely fisted in that matchup. So why don't you leave up both Galio and Lucian? Like, like you have options. And if like they first pick Lucian or something, then you get the Gwen. Like you can you, there's there's options that are available to you in this draft because you see like you you see what they're banning. They have to ban first, their blue side. So I don't know. For for me, when I'm when I'm seeing this draft, like I don't buy that blue side is a hundred percent OP. Like I don't think either no. of these teams adapted well to being on red side draft wise. And I think that yeah, if you run the same game back five times in a row, then yes, like then then fucking blue side looks really OP. But I didn't see enough adaptations where I'm convinced that red because red side is all about counter picks, right? Like that is supposed to be yes. the advantage to red side. Blue side right. gets to pick like the OP champions, the first champion. And then you get the responses. Are there really no responses to the fucking champions that are being picked? I, don't, I just don't believe it. I, I, I didn't see enough. Maybe it's true. I have not seen close enough verifiable evidence that champs like Gwen have zero counters. Champs like Galio have zero counters. Like I, Lucian has zero counters. I just don't think that that is, is accurate. Right. And, and the reason for, for fans that don't, uh, I, I, that aren't up to date on kind of like why this is sparking a lot of debate. Uh, Polt in an interview, head coach of T1 in an interview with Inven Global said, uh, he was asked like, hey, where would you place the blame on, on, on this game like percentage wise? And he said, it's hard to put any points on it because my team played well. We just didn't get to play blue side three times. And to, you know, again, one of those situations, loser. that's like one of the most cringe things I've ever seen. <laughs> Holy like moly. one of those situations where you, you boil down a lot into one comment, but uh, here, let me read it verbatim. I can't really put a number on the players and coaches performance today. All I can say is that everyone did so well. The reason we lost was, as I just said, because we weren't able to play on the blue side three times. Uh, it's we've now just gone through multiple different iterations of how the draft could have gone differently on the side that we think could have even been stronger in terms of the red side and the counter picks. So that, that is why there's been a lot of conversation around it by pundits and uh, armchair analysts and uh, okay, well, our viewers. Let's, let's, let's just, let's just talk about Pult for a second. Uh, no disrespect to Pult, by the way, I fucking love Pult. Pult is a, a seminal figure in esports history. He is incredibly intelligent, but again, if we're being honest about Pult, he is very limited in his knowledge of League of Legends because he hasn't been around the game that long, guys. His, he was a professional StarCraft II player for many years. He then became a professional TFT player, and it's only relatively recently that he has gotten into League of Legends. So last, last two years? Two years. A yep. year and a half, maybe? <laughs> like... Yeah, year and a half, realistically, I think. Um, but... I think Polt is really smart and he is he is known for how fast he picks up games and his his in-game creativity. But he should not I see none be, of that. 
with this team. I literally see no. <laughs> well, that's because like, that's because Faker is actually the coach of this team. Uh, that's the mm -hmm. reality of it. Like Polt is, I'm sure, uh, you know, an excellent manager for this roster, and I'm sure he provides value. But at the end of the day, when the when the coaching purge happened last year, Faker became the de facto coach of this team, in effect. And oh. so certainly, you would say that Polt does not have the years of experience and game knowledge that a player like Faker does, right? That's, he just hasn't been around long enough. Um, so, you know, I, I would take what Polt says at this point with a grain of salt. Um, I want to go back to the, the Gumiyushi thing well, though well, too. Hold on, let me flame Polt. Now that, now that you, you hyped them up, I need, to, <laughs> I need to, to, to say my, so I don't, I didn't know Polt from StarCraft. I didn't follow StarCraft. These are some of the first things that I've seen Polt say. I've, see nothing to, to to show me in league of legends that he's some genius and when it comes to like the strategic elements of the game and i think that it's inexcusable for a coach to win a tournament and say shit like this i think it's like so fucking disrespectful to the to the other team i think it's like a way to kind of like weaponize your mentally ill fan base to like try to get them whipped up into fright it's like oh right it's against us like the amount of times that i'm seeing just like people on, on twitter just go absolutely fucking crazy about about like, oh, well, it's just rigged. China's just cheating. Like, you're just like fitting into this narrative. Number one, if there wasn't a coin flip, you would have not had blue side because you came in second in the rumble stage. That's number one. Like, you have no argument that you should be blue side more often here. You you almost lucked your way into blue side. You could say, oh, but last year RNG won the, the coin toss. I don't think coin toss should, tosses should exist. Number two, I don't think that you drafted optimally. Like, I think that these were some of the worst. I think game five was like the worst draft that they had the entire tournament. Like, I think that that's almost almost impossible to fucking win versus a team like RNG with how the both teams were playing on the day. Like you're literally just going to give RNG all the, the aggressive tools and be like, we're just going to withstand it guys. We're just going to Yumi it out. Yumi Jin. Like that is, uh, I, I hate that, that draft strategy anyway. But yeah, I think that, that but, in uh, here, general, here's, it's a disgusting the thing. thing to say. Here's the thing, Don. I mean, th these are the, the problems that I have been repeatedly bringing up about T1 is that they have, they have this year had very limited compositions that they have used and very limited champion pools. And they were really good at executing these compositions, but the meta changed right before MSI. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden they're, un you know, champions that they really relied on were nerfed or other champions that, you know, things like Kaisa and Ezreal that became very high priority picks for, for good players at this tournament that Gala excels on, uh, we're doing much better. I mean, here's the thing about Gumiyushi, guys. Gumiyushi. That, sound, that sounds like things they could improve on. It doesn't sound like blue side one. Exactly. The exactly. No, no, no. I agree with you 100%. But I mean, this is this is to show T1 fans what some of these limitations are. So similarly to Zayas, who was splitting time last year, you have to remember that Teddy was the survivor of the 10 man roster purge. And I promise you, if Teddy was on this roster, Gumiyushi would have been benched at this tournament. I think it was actually very bad that T1 didn't have a backup to Teddy because of Gumiyushi's kind of poor individual performance throughout the, this event. And also because of the fact that the champion pool shifted back into a direction that Teddy was more comfortable with. And if we're being honest about Gumiyushi, he still has fewer than 150 professional games played, just like Zayas has under 100. Gumiyushi has double digit games on only four champions. Those four champions are Aphelios, Jinx, Jin, and Ezreal, okay? Two of those champions, Jin and Ezreal, he only has a 54% win rate on both of those champions, despite having almost a 70% professional win rate. His Kai'Sa, he has a 37% win rate on, which is basically half of his overall win rate. So these are not picks that he is comfortable on. He has been very reliant on 
Aphilios and Jinx throughout his career. And yes, his Caitlyn was good, but his Caitlyn was banned for most of the spring split because Caitlyn was considered really, really strong at that time. Yeah, Caitlyn is no longer considered as strong. So this is a player, again, like Zayas, who has had you know, a very limited professional champion pool and those expectations about how you play champions within compositions changes. And it's not a problem. Again, Gumiyushi, like Zayas, is a very young player. It, T1 is still one of the very best teams in the world, right? But we just have to objectively analyze where these players' strengths lie. And Gumiyushi did look uncomfortable throughout this tournament. And having Kaisa become so pri high priority when he is not good on that champion is a problem. Sure. I just, I just think the whole aura of T1, like, it just, it's so weird. I mean, I, I really like Faker. I mean, Faker is the fucking goat. I just think everything surrounding him is so off-putting. Like, the fan base, what the fuck, like, Polt said this, I was just like, I was like, man, like, can you imagine Kenju saying this? Like, I, like, dude, imagine what would happen. People are even citing against Polt on, like, Western social media, which is, it's crazy, you know, like, it's been T1 favored the entire time. This is so crazy that even people, even the, the general fan base is like, I think that's a little bit too far. You should probably give the team that beat you like pretty badly credit. in the three games they won, like some some amount of credit. Like there's that. Then you just look at social media. Like I can't stand Joe Marsh. Like I don't know where this guy developed such a fucking insane ego, but he's just like talking like he made Korean League of Legends when he's just like some dude from the US who probably knows l less than a 10th about League of Legends and like creating rosters than than the other people that exist within within this space for years and dedicated their life to it and he just egos on everyone egoing on I, by the way the, the, egos the on thing everyone that, from north america like he's like somehow joe marsh joe marsh hired those coaches and instituted the 10-man roster that they had to disassemble and then make faker the de facto head coach of the roster so basically they have had to take apart the thing the plan that he wanted to make and then take the thing faker that existed before he got there and put him in charge of the team I, I just think that it's like, uh, like I'm I'm a fucking North American player, and he like when I hear Joe Marsh talk down on all of North American League of Legends, like yeah, how many world championships do you guys have? It's like, dude, what do you like? Of how many North do you have, Joe Marsh? Exactly zero. Exactly. You have zero. Then, <laughs> then you look at everything about this organization, right? T1 social media. They they tweet out that they lose RNG social media tweets. It was a great series. You guys have the undisputed goat on your team, like can't wait to see you in worlds just like try to send a nice message out just be cordial t1 doesn't respond their social media doesn't respond at all they just still it's just like the whole aura it's like god it just pisses me off it's like why 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 do they have such an elitism like um, amongst them it's, it's just it's so hard to deal with then like obviously t1 fans like it is not comparable like you like i shit on tsm fans when i say negative stuff about t1 the amount of like actual mental like death threats like people like actually telling me that they were going to come and kill it is like way way worse with t1 so like the whole idea that i mean we literally they, they post public death threats when i had the the situation with thorin where they misquoted me they put it on dc inside they said that i said things that i didn't say people were tweeting death threats at me publicly like not even dms like they're just like yeah bro like like fuck you because you're hispanic like all this i'm like dude that's just my last name like i'm like pretty whitewashed you know like i'm 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 half white half hispanic but like i don't speak spanish like i'm pretty i'm pretty much white dude like they're just trying to get every little thing like it's i don't understand like how this is just like how everyone's just like yeah you know i mean it's just they're just passionate dude they're just pa like why does t1 always get a pass their coach can, can be a sore loser like their ceo can flame everyone under the sun can flame entire 
regions when he's they, like they, they an can, American They can literally do a, do a cover-up job for homophobia that everybody's just like cool with, I guess. I mean, just like, like I just watch everything. Here's something. When you watched the opening video that they showed, didn't it look like T1 was the heroes and RNG were, were just the enemies, the way that the whole thing was shot? Yeah. Like T1, T1 is like walking in and then like you have like Jao who, who's literally playing like the virus, like Jao who like hacks like the fucking monitor and he's like, we knew that we would like, to, we would face you. Like, get ready to like meet your match. And then like Faker's like, we will defeat you. And everyone's cheering. Yeah, Faker. Yeah. Like it literally, it's just like, they're, look, they're the protagonists. Look, I, I'm not RNG so mad at that because look. Faker is an immense fan Korea. draw for literally everybody on the planet, and it is taking place in Korea in front of a Korean audience. So, like, I'm less mad about that because, like, I mean, it's supposed th to be a world event, but yeah. Well, I mean, RNG is also supposed to be at the tournament, you know. Sure. So, sure. We, 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 we got we got a lot of problems. What a mess! I wonder how that happened. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, they just love like, the Asian games more important than MSI, dude. That's, that's just it. So. look at our fucking comment section. It's cr it's crazy that they could get the trophy into their house and oh, well, get see, these backdrops into their house, but they can't get RNG out of the house. Really weird. Well, no, no, they, they already had the trophy in the house because they just like win MSI every year. So they just like literally you just reuse their old trophy. <laughs> oh, did they reuse so the old much... trophy? All right, fair enough. Yeah, That's actually funny. They just reuse that is the old trophy funny. because right, it's like, fair, oh, fair, well, like, just enough. get last year's or you can but, get the but, one from 2018. I don't That's give a, a fuck which ones you get. By the way, I did I did kind of want RNG to win specifically because I was curious about what would happen on stage. And it was objectively hilarious to have the confetti spraying all over like an empty desk and then T1 just like getting covered in confetti after they lost. And then did you notice the trophy just like disappeared from the stage too? Yep. <laughs> I was laughing quite a bit. I was like, wow, this is horrible. <laughs> the best part about T1 is the players. Like the players are the are the people that I like on T1. Of course. But it's just everything surrounding T1 is just stuff well, I, like all the players have personality. I'm, I enjoy watching the players play league. I just don't enjoy everything else that comes with it. I, the, I, no, and look, here's the thing. Before the the Comcast, you know, SKT Comcast merger, there wasn't a problem with the org, right? What's what's so loathsome has been the the Comcast influence on this team and the way that they have decided to present themselves and the fact that they look. Here, here's here's just another factor of all of this okay which is that this team they don't even understand the t1 brand like this is the most prestigious organization in the entire history of esports this is the shining jewel of esports teams and it has been for decades now okay now what is this what does this team stand for excellence fair play okay do korean fans like match fixers no it, it, match fixing is horribly, horribly looked down upon in Korea because it nearly destroyed Brood War esports. And there's a history of really, frankly, loathsome behavior by Korean players who have gone to prison for match fixing. Which is, which and, is why Kespa is so like hard on all the rules about like you know doing remote play and everything because they've experienced that in other esports. Well, also Kespa is evil. Let, let let's get that out there. Like okay. they all suck right, you're gonna a go lot. There. Okay. Where, they, where are they, we going with this, Monty? I'm excited no, no, no. for this journey. So, you're so taking me on what, a journey. I'm taking I'm you ready. on a journey of yeah, T1's yeah, yeah. brand. Okay, and yeah. how how to present that brand when it has certain values because it is a Korean brand. All right, so T1 then uh, proceeds to expand into Valorant, and they do it with the North American roster. Who's the first player they get? 
oh, right, it's Brax, the dude banned from Counter-Strike <laughs> for match fixing. And they're like, this aligns with our brand values. And for the record, guys, I don't, I do not think Brax should be banned. I think that is bullshit from Valve. And I think, it, you know, throwing a game for some skins like years and years ago is stupid. He should have gotten a year or two ban and that was it. So I'm not saying that Brax should have received the punishment that he did or that even what he did, I think, was that bad. My point is, if you understand your brand, you cannot hire Brax as the first guy for your Valorant team because that is not the brand that you bought. Like, and how are Korean fans not fucking outraged by this? Like, I don't get it. I guess they just don't give a shit about the NA Valorant team. I mean, the Koreans don't give a shit about Valorant. Like, let's be real. They probably don't even know. But you cannot do these things with this particular brand. And it just doesn't seem like there is somebody at this org who understands what the brand is. I mean, it's what the history of this brand is and how to properly run it in a way that is consistent with the excellence that this team has had over the years. And that's sad. To me as a fan, as somebody who has watched this team since Brood War, that is disappointing. All I'm saying like, is like, it just, just think about the reaction that we got from, the, like literally look at the last comment section and, and how, how it, it's 450 comments deep, just lies, just hate. This is, we predicted T1 to win. We said they are overrated. Like they are, they're rated too highly. They're not going to shit on RNG, essentially is the claim. They will not shit on RNG. It'll be a close series. That got met with so much negativity. We were being, think about this. We were being delusionally positive to T1. We, we were rating them too highly, actually. Like we should have been more negative about their flaws. Like if we were trying to be closer to the truth. Dude. You know, coming at Dom as a, as like an LPL aficionado is one thing, but you guys are coming at me, okay? I lived in Korea for five years. Koreans called me Kim Monte. They gave me a Korean last name. They called me the blue-eyed Korean. Everyone else in the world called me a Korean dick sucker. I call myself a Korean fellatio enthusiast. Korean fellatio enthusiast, please. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's to, what I call we're myself. trying to not get this man. <laughs> Korean fellatio enthusiast. That's what I call myself. But you guys, if you're coming at me and you, like for, for takes about honest takes about Korean esports, I don't even know who do you think your biggest ally is, you dumb motherfuckers. <laughs> well, I mean, it's also like the, the knowledge, like, what, what were the oh dom says whatever he wants because he's trying to win over the chinese fan base there is no chinese fan base on western social media sites like <laughs> the way you, the, the way you get fans on in the west the way that i would generate the most hype is if i was talking about i tweeted out wow what a historic achievement by t1 they are like one of the best teams in the world fakers dominance unmatched the undisputed goat those are the tweets that get a lot of likes the tweets that don't get a lot of likes are the ones where you're like Actually, I think the 20 0 team might lose to, to RNG. I mean, I know RNG had a bunch of bad games, but they're still pretty fucking good. Those are not the ones that that <laughs> that prop you up in this community. The people that get to the top that are the most popular are the ones that are just going to be the most even keel about everything. <laughs> Honestly, if you would have taken that same tweet that you just said and swapped out like RNG and Jahu for the Faker and T1, no, that that would have been just as sufficient. Like people would well, have been I, like, I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm I'm very sorry, Dom, because I was complicit in building this monster of Korean fan base in the West that is now attacking <laughs> you. So I, I'm sorry, dude. I'm sorry. I helped. No, I, I I actually. <laughs> like, it pisses me off in a way, but it, and in another way, I kind of enjoy it because like I I like that everyone tells me I'm delusional, and I like seeing the comments after like. RNG ends up winning like that actually makes me feel good I'm like ha look at all the people that doubted 
Like, oh my look god! At all those people that doubted RNG, it actually is kind of like soothing. So it's not it's not purely negative. Like it, there is, if there was no strife at all, I would probably enjoy it less. So I, I wish keep doing what you're doing. I, I wish we had timestamps in our comments, which obviously you can uh, leave as well as subscribe to our channel here at Deserto uh, Esports and support our show uh, because we we got a guy two days ago. So the by the time this is posted, the finals were less than two days ago, uh, or more than two days ago. It'll say, it said, so you guys want to retract that statement about T1 being overhyped? T1 gave G2 a humbling lesson. Like, again, no, uh, I mean, a lack of understanding. Guys, this is what we expected. I, I said it I would be a not close 3-1. I should have probably said 3-0. I thought maybe G2 would, like, get a game. They might, like, cheese up. Because, like, the, the, the reason I why I said... The, the reason why I thought that G2 could win a game was because G2 generally has really good prep for best of fives. If you think about their other best of fives that they played, they normally are able to like find strategic advantages based off how other teams draft. And I think Dylan's really smart at that. So I gave them the benefit of the doubt. They'll be able to come up with something to get a game. But like, that was probably a little bit like, uh, yeah, that was, that was probably a little bit too hopeful on, on my end. Like Western I Hopium. Yeah, I probably should have predicted T1-3-0, but I mean, I had them winning. <laughs> like, I had them winning. <laughs> And it's, I, I will say, I, I it's it's self out. I, like I was a little bit too high on G two in semis. I was a little bit too low on RNG in finals. Is what it is. Appropriate I, I, rating. I will I will shout out just because we have called out a lot of the crap fans and and fanatics that that the sense does not happen to them. But in that same chain, there is one guy fighting the fight for all of us. Nikolai one two zero 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 said they literally said T T one with three one. Or three O G two, and they're our favorite. Uh, they were the favorites to win the tournament, uh, and he had to answer the question: Are they not overhyped if they meet expectations? <laughs> it was like, what? That that's the guy's argument. That was the delusional fans' argument. So anyway, uh, going back to T one, just also, a little bit. No, no. no oh, also, like I have to say about about expectations from people. Okay, the regions have been this way for a long time guys it's been very clear from for the last decade that korean and chinese teams are basically on top uh when it comes to league of legends uh there have been a couple european exceptions to this rule they are moscow five and they are the good iteration of g2 in 2019 okay yeah. now people will be like 2018 kind of yeah. And people will be like, oh, well, you know, Fnatic, they went to the world finals, you know, over, you know, in, in 2018. Well, there's a, like a bazillion things we could talk about the context of that. First off, C9 pulled off one of the biggest upsets in, in League of Legends history by beating Africa Freaks. And it was the only time NA had ever made a semifinal. And then they got clapped by Fnatic in that semifinal. And then also KT and IG, the two best teams in the world, bet in the quarterfinals. And because Riot has dog shit formats, there wasn't double elimination. So they just got rolled and then IG rolled through the rest of the tournament. So I wouldn't say, I think Fnatic was very lucky to Rookie. get into those finals and certainly they didn't do any they got just shit on in those finals whereas g2 was at least capable of winning international tournaments so it's not really europe it's just g2 and it's actually just caps it's actually just caps just so cap. <laughs> i mean perks did have a legendary performance in 2018 sure. to get to semis where they like beat out rng obviously his the blonde game five was like right. absolutely absurd so like I mean, both of those teams, like, sure, Fnatic got one step further, but, like, G2 made a semi. G2 had the obviously harder side of the bracket. Yeah. 
Yeah. With with Karnan and Wadid, they and Wadid, they made a semifinal. Yes. But, but this this is all to say, guys, it's been a couple teams. It hasn't been regional strength, right? And it's been more specifically a couple of players a lot of the time. And those players are perks and caps. <laughs> so so you know, it, it, seeing these these teams and not getting overhyped by best of ones, um, you know, seeing G two and Evil Geniuses get dumpstered in the semis was not particularly shocking. And I just wish we could do away with some of these narratives about regional strength because it's really just been team strength. Individual yeah. team strength I mean, from that region yeah. compared the, to the regional strength of Korea and China. Like, I, put, put this, put, use, use your brains, guys. I know this is very difficult if you speak English and watch League of Legends for whatever reason. But Shit. for example, when, in, in, in Taiwan, like there were a few good Taiwanese teams, but it was mostly just flash wolves. It, it's not like we were saying Taiwan as a region was strong over the years. It was flash wolves are good, right? Watch <laughs> eSports, baby. <laughs> There was a good team. Just just use your brain and think about Europe as Taiwan and just realize that there's like a good team and it's not necessarily a very strong region. I mean, I, I think that the expectations for both EU and NA should be similar. I think that, you know, like obviously MSI happened the way it happened. Quarterfinals should be probably expected. Like you should try to get a team into quarterfinals. If no one can get into quarterfinals from your region, that's probably sad. And then, right. like, if a team makes semis based off a good draw, that's, like, a, a stretch goal. Like, that is a... And who knows? Maybe we get double elimination finally at this World Championship. They were teasing it. We, we don't know. Wait, wait. They were? When? Uh, they, like, they were... They said that they were considering double elimination. Oh, they're not... I mean, I can just I can just straight up tell you that they're not going to do that, Dom, because they, they're still running all of the different things in different cities, so they have to move those events, and that's not going to be... They're not going to be able to do a double elimination bracket while moving massive events from stadium to stadium. Yeah, well, who who knows? Who, who, I'm I'm who? like I'm gonna be hopeful just so I can be disappointed and flame them. If it doesn't happen. So, you know, uh, it is it is what it is. Look, I, I can tell you that that's just that's that, that's something that they did to placate the people who want that. But there is they they are. I would be shocked if they did that this year. It, it got to the point where the casters were even talking about Look, it on social either, media, which is probably way, why they had to say something. The point is that like EU and NNA, it's not like how the standards for G two in 2019 and 2020 was like. Can they win worlds? Have to get to at least a semi. Probably like should be pretty happy with the final, but can they win it? Can they bring like a title to Europe? That was the feeling. Like, I don't think that's realistic. Like, I think most rational EU fans know that there's like no title this year, like coming. You just have to be okay with essentially the rebuilding process of your region because now all the top teams have essentially devolved and you have like these new players and top teams that have to like. Yeah, they have to play these international tournaments. They have to get the experience, and we'll see what happens in two or three years. Yeah, I mean, let's just think midway through uh, LEC split. You'd imagine G2 making it to MSI in the first place? No, they did everything through the lower bracket run. So, uh, again, just kind of tempering expectations here. Uh, my one point I wanted to make about uh, T1 was as that coaching uh, shuffle happened, and Coach Danny and Zephyr, Zephyr having the most coaching experience, uh, moved on. They went and joined who? Damn Wonkia. With who's that that's over there? Oh, oh yeah, the longtime stalwart <laughs> of T1, Coma. So, uh, again. And now Nogari's like back. The dream of a competitive Korea where, you know, because, uh, like, the thing about Gen G is they're just never going to beat T1 in their current form. Like, this is – Gen G, I'm sorry, buddy. Like, 
no. Just no to Doran. Like, get out. Uh, Bro, I, no like to, Dom one. I hope Dom one wins. No, <laughs> no to playoffs. Him. No to playoffs. Peanut. Just, just no. Like the Gen G is is a discombobulated roster that doesn't really emphasize their strengths in the way that they play. And as good as Chovy is in terms of laning an individual ability, he is quite bad at coordinating with the rest of a team. And that's going to preclude them from probably winning LCK um, unless they can fix that issue. So, which I don't think is fixable with the current roster and they don't appear to be making roster changes. So maybe Damwon Gaming can can save us from this. I, I hope so. I hope so. Um, As we close the chapter here and we spent all the time almost all the time here on uh the finals as we should uh any closing thoughts here on our uh our european counterparts specifically as teams both our g2 squad and then our north american counterpart in eg uh, a lot of talk about just again those those three o's that happened that were a promising three o for evil geniuses and like a slightly depressing 3-0 for uh, G2. Where, where, what were your thoughts on that? And we'll start with you, uh, Monty. So final thoughts on, on EG. I said it earlier. I like the fact that this team goes for the plays and tries to be creative when they're behind. I think that they've shown that they can play very well from behind and that they can execute kind of the mid and late game team fights to an acceptable international standard. But the hole is often too deep by the time that they reach that point. I'm hopeful that now that Jojo and Danny have had Korean boot camps, they have international experience. These were things that they were not able to get when uh, during the pandemic, basically, at the start of their professional League of Legends careers, uh, that this will have a, a lasting impact. I think that they overperformed compared to my expectations. I expected them to do extremely badly at this event because they were very flawed as a team. And they had very obvious weaknesses that would be exploited by good teams that know how to snowball lane advantages. And that was still true, but they did show up in some of the late games and they 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 did make games competitive, at least in that stage uh, of a game. So I think that as far as EG goes, there's nowhere to go but up, really, as their players get more experience. And I think this will be very, very valuable for them as a learning tool. And so I was pleased, I would say. On the side of G2... Uh, I didn't really understand. Uh, how can I phrase this? Things must have been going badly in scrims. And here's my interpretation of the way they played their semifinal. They won almost all of their games by playing through Caps uh, when they had their strong start to the Rumble stage. Caps' individual performance was very good. So why do you start playing Caps on Galio and investing a ton of resources into the bottom side of the map? I assume that this means that Flacket and Targamas were doing very badly during scrims and that they were not capable of surviving laning phase or doing very well. And so they couldn't focus resources into Caps, which means that Caps had to play a more supportive role and they thought that this was the best way to win their games. Um, that's not a good thing, but... Broken Blades champion pool was really wacky this tournament, and it seemed like the meta has moved away from him. They were unable to find a different lane to play through effectively. So I think it's really hard to compete in a top four of an international event when Caps is really the only lane that you feel comfortable playing through. And when you try and play through other lanes, you still kind of get bodied. So it's disappointing, but I think there were there were kind of meta issues that held G, uh, G2 back. 
and that once ban Orn, like yeah. they just ban Orn for some. Well, yeah, they just ban Orn because you know Broken Blade can't do anything else, and like they exhausted their supply of wacky Gwen counter picks, right? Um, and Broken Blade just didn't seem comfortable on the Gwen itself, so I think kind of sucks for them in a way. Um, kind of sucks that this just didn't seem to fit suit them very well. Um, but it was fun to watch them pull off the big upsets, and it was certainly fun to see Caps throughout the playoffs in this tournament return to, like, some of the peak Caps moments that make him a, a truly valuable and excellent player on an inter international stage. So there were positives there as well, but, again, Flackett and Targamas are, are very new players, and I think, again, they will see, they will get a lot of value having been to this event now. Yeah. I mean, just think about how they started this tournament. Compared, like, so they started this tournament, what, 12-0? And think about how they ended this tournament. Yeah, they lost five, one, one versus CG, who they had their number the whole entire time, and then lost three more to T1. It's like they went from being some, like a team where people were like, "Damn, maybe this is one of the best teams in the world. Maybe they can win MSI again." To like, no, they're not even close. Like they, I mean, they got smacked by T1 so hard. So, I don't know. I, I feel like it's 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 good that G2 made it this far. I think that they like, for, if you look at the roster and you think about what they should have achieved at the beginning of LAC, you saw five play these five players together. I think they massively overachieved. They showed like a lot Absolutely. of good stuff. They, they, they shouldn't have won EU. They shouldn't have been this like, team dropped Mickey X P1 for fucking Targamas. Like what was the, that was a huge risk. Right. Yep. And it, it did very well. I, I think, I think jury's still out more or less on Flackett, but Flackett has overperformed expectations and definitely deserves more time with the accomplishments this roster has had. Uh, they haven't shown kind of big stage nerves, which is really good for, for rookie players. Um, yeah. So I, I think it's encouraging. And like Dom said, like nobody expected them to win Europe. That wasn't ever in the yeah. cards. Like nobody was like, yes, this team going to be great. Right. Yeah. I mean, this team's, team's going to take the games off of RNG and T1. Yeah. Yeah, Re yeah. Realistically, like you could play that T1 series like a hundred times. I don't know how many of them. They, they, they yeah, they played really under. bad on the day. Well, I think it's, they just got they got they got sussed out. I don't, man. Think, I, I don't think it's even like that much that they played bad on the day. I feel like there's almost nothing they could do to beat T1 right now. Like they just it was a it, it was better. a horrible matchup it, 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 in the same way that I think EG was just a horrible like. EG probably would have done better versus T1 than they did versus RNG. Like that matchup, RNG EG is just terrible for EG. Well, I mean, there's no uh, perceivable strength that they have versus RNG. And people were way too like hot. They're like, but EG kind of showed some life in game three. You can definitely tell that RNG lost focus. Like think about their energy coming into game one. Like they fucking destroyed them game yes. one. They just shit on them completely. And then, EG like, got game... one kill and one dragon in game 22 one. 22 to one or 23 to one, whatever. I mean, that it, was. Was just, it was It was brutal. just brutal. Like they, they, the dive top, like it was just a clinic, you know? It like, was a 20, it was an 18,000 gold victory. I mean, that that's a game though that I feel like you can learn so much from because that's the, that's the problem is like when you watch the games that, EG played against RNG, there's no way that an NA team could ever punish them even close to that hard. Like, they'll never, ever experience anything close to that within North America. That's why the international experience is so valuable. You think that they're going to, like, burn a gangplank flash level one in North America and snowball the entire game off of it? Like, have the three-man yep. dive timer? Like, the things that they were doing were, like, Gala will take a, an even trade where they're just, like, trading sums, trading ults, because he knows that Jahu has, like, a slightly, like, earlier like two three second move and then suddenly like danny's no sums under his turret half-life gala's no sums like pushing the wave half-life and then three people just show up behind the turret and kill him like no, that's yeah. not gonna happen in na dude no. like that's actually really fucking good league of legends so 
I mean, that's why you need to go to these international tournaments to actually get Agreed. the experience because you, you, you'll you never be able to... And, and it's so clear, you know, when you see those situations, you can learn so instantly because, like, what happened to you was so calculated and when you look at it, it's reproducible every single time by the enemy team. Like, you know that it's like, oh, that wasn't an accident. It, it wasn't just the Galio showed up here. They knew about that shit. And then you start thinking, and then it opens your mind and you start thinking about it yourself. You're like, okay, like... Can I trade like sums and like oh here like do you have do you have a a, a timer okay I'm gonna like tr I'm gonna all in right now and like even though I know that neither of us can kill we've got people on the way like we're gonna we're gonna hit the timer and just like you know use this like a couple this couple second window so um yeah I mean I think that EG in general like sure they had like a kind of close game three the way I see that is RNG kind of lost focus I mean they were smashing them like I mean they made like some in plays in game two but they were pretty much in control of game one the entire time pretty much in control of game two the entire time they had a big lead in game three and then they like inted a little bit focused up like gullah you know grew his hands back and then they just won so I don't, I don't even know how much to take away about from that close game three because i don't think that like rng is really gonna ever lose that series well, you know? we like, also have to be honest about the level of threat that it presented because they were on soul point and like they were able to get the hex tech soul and like as I alluded to at the start of the show, while EG did mount a comeback, it was it wasn't just a gold battle. It was like an objective stacking battle that they had already fallen behind on. And it's just not it's not a it has never been a reliable way unless you are like 2015 SKT to play for late game every game and then hope you're going to come back It's the only team that's ever really done that. Um, yeah. You have to have at least some early game presence and you can't just get blown the fuck out every single early game and expect to win a best of five. That's that's almost impossible to do in this game. All right. That thank you for that, gents. Uh, I love that. We went everywhere again in this episode talking uh, fan bases, uh, talking the, the game itself, talking the meta, talking about uh, uh, Polt. Sorry, Polt. <laughs> that, that cool. be I like Polt. <laughs> yeah. Dom has I, I, Dom has no respect for his history. Well, I mean, I, I literally don't even know his history at all. So like that doesn't matter. I've just seen him in League of Legends, and this is like one of the, the first interactions that I've seen him like publicly state something. And I just like completely disagree with ever saying that as a like even if you believe that to be true, I think you should never you say that as a coach. That. Yeah. As the coach. Yeah. Yeah. I think what's funny uh, is like he is used to the nuances of professional play from an extremely long and, and decorated professional career himself. So clearly he knows that it can't be simplified to that degree. Yeah. And he's a uh, champion. So like he doesn't have a loser's mentality of blaming it. He, you know, surely he must believe that there are things that they could have done in order to win this best of five. But then also like, does this not say enough about the fan base that a lot of like, so when, when T1 fans started trying to rationalize this, one of the things they said is like, oh, he's trying to protect the players. It's one of the, like the, if you have to like go out and say something that you know is not true in order to try and save your players from getting flamed by your fan base, maybe there's an issue. That's all I'm saying. It's okay. They don't, they never address their fans, so it won't matter. No. <laughs> all right. Well, I mean, with that said, address RNG. <laughs> you know? oh. <laughs> wow. wow true though well with that said we, we we put an end finally to this tournament msi 2022 uh now in the history books with its all of its uh surprises all of its technical errors and now even its uh vocal minority getting even louder in terms of it asking it to change for its next iteration hopefully it'll be heard um 
we look towards the next regular seasons coming on up. LCS, LEC, and Korea all have announced that they will be starting in two and a half weeks. So two and a half oh, weeks from this my. is done. Yeah. So it's June 15th, June 16th, and June 17th, I think, all the dates. I think Korea starts first. Uh, LPL Korea starts, starts first. the 10th. Is it the 10th? Yeah. I, I looked somewhere. It said the 30th. I was like, are they waiting that long? Are they just going to cram the games? The 10th no, sounds 10th. good. So that's uh, I don't even that's know if that's, be if in that's one out way. yet. They, they told me, though, because they had to confirm that I was still going to co-stream. All right. I decided, well, uh, I said, look, you won MSI. I'll give you guys another chance, you know, like. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just. I, well, yeah, there you it, have it's it. Really, it's really generous of them to uh, give you the chance to to make money, Dom. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, should, look, I mean, from what I've what I've heard, it's like the reason why I'm the way I am is because of all the China money that they're funneling into me. <laughs> I definitely wouldn't, you know, just co-stream to co-stream and and make money myself. I, they would have to pay me to do it on top. That's how much. People think I'm Dom, it's Dom's just rolling, really, but... rolling with fat stacks of RMBs right now. Yeah, uh, uh, unfortunately, I guess I'll come out and say publicly they do not pay me to co-stream LPL, nor to have any opinions. Like I actually just you know watch enjoy the game it. and <laughs> yeah, and I enjoy it. And you, also like you pay Dom fans. That's I can't wait. Do. I can't wait for our comment section to only hear the first part of what you just said, and they're gonna be like, "Yeah, he's only a fan because he said himself that." They pay him a ton. <laughs> All right. Well, it is uh, it is. we'll we have the whole second half, the world's half of League of Legends coming on up in just a little bit. So just a couple more weeks. So uh, we'll take a look at the schedule, see if we have another episode, if we're going to do another episode next week before probably, all the tournaments. Yeah, probably be two weeks, I would say, because like yeah. that's going to be before the the that's going to be when many of the major regions are starting. So yeah. Uh, twelve ten, the new patch that has come on. I am out very excited and... about that. We haven't even talked about that, but that's going to be great. I, I'm yeah. super, I'm super psyched to see professional play on this patch. Yeah, we'll Again, see. I, the, I, the, I, the I don't have too lead many more durability, right? That's the big part of it. <laughs> I, I, I don't cause... like the, the change that much. I mean, I just literally think that the assassin class is like no longer in the game. It's like, all right. It's all right. We're going back to the the macro tank dream. I don't even think the tanks got that much better for this. No, the AD like, carries are. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. I, I feel like in general, we're going to see similar similar metas. I mean, just like certain champions just got a lot better. Like anyone that has percentage damage. Like, I mean, mm -hmm. Kindred is so much better in the jungle, you know? Like those types of picks, I feel like got got the real like buffs. But yeah, I don't know. I just don't, I don't like when an entire class just feels never worth it to play. And I think that that's kind of the way it, seems right now with uh with assassins but yeah we can get into that later all right we'll see we'll they might that. they might also they might also hot fix it or, or change things like with nope. such a massive patch they're already going to be hot fixing a bunch of stuff so i imagine we'll probably see some pretty dramatic changes in the future so i'm i'm holding off on, on that just because there there is no way that they can know how this is going to play out uh once it escapes into the wild like this so It'll be interesting to see the changes that they make, but I think it's a positive direction for the game overall. Yeah, I think ERLs, uh, like Proving Grounds, what else? Collegiate is going to be coming up here in a couple, like in next week. So there'll be some little tidbits, but the changes won't happen probably fast enough. And when they do happen, we'll be there to cover it here on the jungle at Deserto uh, for everybody. Uh, appreciate y'all watching. Again, like, subscribe, help us. We are just 
100 away from Astralis. I appreciated the one guy, uh, the 30, 30 subscriber Andy saying, you guys don't make enough content. That's why I don't subscribe. Free, here's free ELO for you. Like, I was like, okay, cool. Uh, thanks, Wait, my what guy. Are we doing God or dog or what's happening here? <laughs> oh, yeah, my bad. I forgot. Let's God or dog. Let's close it out here with God or dog. Uh, all right. Since you brought it up, go ahead, Tom. Gumiyushi. Your... That's my dog. Okay. Dog, yeah, I'm going to go dog first. There it is. Really? Dog first. So yeah, I, I mean, love I love Polt, but I thought you might pick Polt because he was behaving like a, bit, <laughs> like a bitch after he lost. He was a bitch after he lost, dude. All right. I love Wait, you, Polt, come... but that, that was a bitch move. Wait, how, how come like I'm the one that's going hard the whole time and then you're just going to call him a bitch at the end of everything? <laughs> like, like, I'm, I'm the one that's like, yeah, I think that it was like disgusting. Look, and then you're, look, like, you're like, I respect him so much. He's a fucking bitch. Like, what? I love him. He's, <laughs> yeah. No, I didn't say he was a bitch. I said that was a being bitch a bitch. Ah, yeah, that's, there's, that's, there's, that's, there's different. That, I, I think that was very unpolite in my try experience. That, try that one on your wife and then see how she responds. No, I said oh. you were being a bitch. I didn't call you a bitch. Like, I just want to fight on that one. <laughs> that is actually hilariously something I might say. So, <laughs> all right, all right. That's you, you just have to understand uh, how it is insight. how it is to interact with me. There, there isn't a difference in treatment, no matter who you are. That's that's the Monte Cristo way. That's why that's why you know it's crazy that people spend time with me. Anyway, <laughs> wow, that, that, was, wow, that we sounds went, rough. That, we went we went deep in the uh, Monte Cristo tunnel. Hey uh, man, I, I, I've I've come to peace with myself. That's all. That's all I need in this world. It's fine. Huh? All right. Well, is that gonna be yeah. like the first thing. I, I don't know how old your kid is, but like when your kid can actually like have memories <laughs> of conversations, is this gonna be like the first thing you tell? By the way, you get no preferential treatment just because you're my my kid. By the way, like. I'll treat mm -hmm. you just like everyone else. <laughs> also, go Broncos. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep, basically. <laughs> wow. All right, Monty. Okay. Well, it, it's hey, it's well, a harsh world out there, you know. Now that gotta, we've seen gotta, Monty's gotta get, gotta get piece, Monty, who, who's your dog in your... I, I said uh, already, it was Bolt. <laughs> oh, it was Bolt. Okay, okay. <laughs> sure. I, like, like I said, I, do, I disagree with what, what Bolt said and the characterization of it, and I think that somebody with his experience shouldn't oversimplify things like that. I think it's lame of him to imply that or try and take away the, the you know, the victory of RNG. So just don't do that. You're, I know you're better than that, Bolt. I know you're better than that. Uh, I think for me, it, it's weird because I feel like I've given him God before too. Uh, Yanko's got worked. He got, he got worked uh, hard, I felt like, in that series, in the 3-0. Uh, and so I think Yanko's is uh, my dog for the... For this, I guess, the semifinal knockout stage. Could have gone someone with uh, on EG, but I, I think it was Yankos, surprisingly. Um, who is your god, Monty? Who do you have? Um, I would say, like, I I really like Xiaohu throughout, you know, the, the finals. Like, I think he played really well. He looked comfortable in the picks that he has. He's a very unselfish player. Uh, like he and Faker are, are, I think, quite similar in terms of their play style right now, being low economy mid laners that generally get a lot of value over the gold that they're given and then kind of spread that influence to the rest of the map. So I think I think I think I really enjoyed seeing Xiaohu seeing Xiaohu play in these finals. Um. Yeah, for me, I'll have Wei. I think Wei obviously had a, a really tough matchup into owner. Um, yeah, and I think just Wei, Wei was just... <laughs> 
Dude, so I fucking okay. I, I I actually like low key loved the uh, the level three Viego invade. You know uh, that 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 is like some solo queue cheese right there. And I love him having the balls to to go for that kind of play in a high stakes match like that. It was fun, yeah, really and fun I mean he I mean owner just got outplayed on it right. Like owner was hitting the buff and then he ended up like using a smite on the buff, but like it ended yeah. up resetting, so he miscalculated yeah. it. And then yeah. Faker moved too, but like it's a it's a cleanse Ari. It's not an ignite Ari. So you're not that scared <laughs> of this Ari. You know, I mean people were saying, oh Faker missed the ping or missed uh, the uh the the charm because it was 35 ping. Way had flash. Like Way would just flash the charm if it was gonna hit and then they would just like scrap it out. And even if the charm hits, Way's not just insta dead or anything. Like it's a no red buff Wukong, it is a cleanse Ari, like we said. So um yeah, I think Way was just really fucking good in this in this series overall. Um I just thought he just played better. He was like the fact that they're giving over the most OP jungler on the patch, the perceived most OP jungler on the patch, which is obviously Wukong and um, Wei's just playing against it with Viego, Lee Sin, just getting the upper hand in those matches. And then he draws Viego bans eventually. Yep. <laughs> I thought it was really good. Yep. Uh, mine, mine was Yahoo as well for all the uh, all the points that you made there, Monty. But and then again, uh, we've had role swaps of players before but to go and do it at the highest level and go win two international tournaments is is pretty great and and for as as long as yahoo has been doing it and remember this was this was uzi's team not yahoo's team and now this is very clearly yahoo's team and he's cemented some history here for rng and for chinese league of legends and league of legends in general i think that's awesome um so yeah. you know it's not awesome just uh, just uh, to throw that out there, how crazy is it that they documented every single LPL versus LCK best of five in international tournaments on Reddit? There's only been 19 best of fives between LPL and LCK. Really? Yeah. yeah. And like we're in season 12, dude. How is that? Like, how is that possible? That seemed completely unreal when I heard that stat or when I saw it on Reddit. Like I was like, God damn. LPL is actually 10-9 now, so that was the the context is that Koreans pretty much dominated up until 2017, and then afterwards, LPL has been pretty much equally as dominant. I mean, obviously, they didn't win everything the same way Korea did, but it's been very LPL-favored. Yeah, I don't I mean, know also, this one. It, 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 is, it is worth noting, though, that a lot of those LPL-LCK matches have been, like, very close 3-2s, mm -hmm. right? So, oh. you know, it's... You have to look at the kind of the context of the individual matches as well. The results have, yes, been very LPL favored, but a lot of the individual matches were really, really tight. So what we talked about uh, earlier, right? Like LPL just, they, it feels like they're just way less scared in those deciding games than uh, LCK is. Like if you just look at consistently, right? We see, we've seen three of them now, right? We saw, we saw RNG versus Dom Juan and MSI and just every single time it gets to the game five, it feels like, I mean, it's, it's what Monty said, right? It's Trundle for Canyon. It's, carry on yumi it's always this like it's so depressing actually yeah but i mean I, I i like seeing that the lpl players compete i think that that's something that in general league of legends um will eventually need to ca catch up on it's part of the reason why i like pro sports so much is you know these guys that are in their 30s that have been competing their entire lives they're just better competitors than you know kids yep. that are 18 like who would have thought i know crazy concept but yeah uh, you made me pull this one up, so I will not take credit as Degon's, uh, you know, uh, fact of the week sponsored by no one. But I, I was just wondering, in in that context of best of fives, what was the first best of five that China beat Korea? I just looked it up. Would it be like uh, RNG versus 20, 20, 2015 MSI finals? 
No, there was there was OMG versus Najin White. Oh yeah, yeah. That was that was a quarter that was a quarterfinal at the Korean uh, World Championship in 2014. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, correct. yeah. No, I, I remember those. Yeah, I thought it was the MSI one. I always really epic. liked that original OMG team. I thought that was that was with like what cool and good going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was actually yeah. a fun. That was a fun series. That was a blowout too. Although I will say about that particular matchup that Najin White Shield didn't okay technically they won the gauntlet like to be at world so you can say they deserved it but that was watch who spent his entire career kind of sucking having like one miracle run and like they were not the third best team in korea in 2014 they they had yeah. a, a, like this crazy run in the gauntlet and so that that i guess i i didn't recall that particular one because they they were like they shouldn't have been at that Worlds, if we're yeah. If we're so, being so Amonti, <laughs> so Amonti is saying for those that that remember the video I did at the beginning of this year was that he thinks that Hachani was actually no, the savior of no, Korea. He no. wanted to see KTA. <laughs> I did winners, not want to see KTA. The winners <laughs> I hated of, them of too. I hated them too. They they the that was bullshit. Wow. They, they were the worst team to ever win the, a title under OGN. They so, fucking, so they were won? another giga lucky team. And no, I did not want to see them at Worlds. <laughs> who, who did you actually want to see then? Because I thought that that was the team you were going to say, because they're obviously the, the, the team that won summer, you know? <laughs> like, who did you want That's, to see? I this is a really them. good point. I'm looking right now who else it could have been. I mean, I, right? I would, I, obviously, I think I would have rather have seen uh, Katie Bullets that year uh. at Worlds. Oh. I don't know. Okay, so it's Limit, Prime, Nagne, Score, and Destiny. I don't know Limit and Prime. I, I guess by the time... Okay, so I guess by the time that that rolled around, like the the summer finals, I think yeah. I probably would have rather seen, frankly, SKTS. I think I probably oh, would have rather with, seen like, SKTS. Was that with... Um, what was his name? Hor Horo? What was his name? Yeah, Horo was the jungler. It was it was yeah. Easy Hoon, Marin, Bang, and Wolf's team at the time, and they were yep. they were really boring. But I think they were a, a better roster by that by the time Worlds like rolled around. I think that was a better roster. Wow, Dang. I went to SKTS, and the first thing I see is Monte Cristo in the first sentence. What? Uh, SK <laughs> Telecom T1 was given the nickname Terminator by Doa and Monte Cristo to differentiate oh, the team God. from their sister team sk telecom t1k which they nicknamed judgment day yeah because it was t1 and t1 <laughs> the, the, the names the names <laughs> oh were God. fucking horrible the, the names were fucking horrible they they literally called their teams sk t11 and sk t12 we had to figure yeah. out a better name for them than that because it was just uncastable right okay oh man oh, terminator am... well because it's t1 and t2 <laughs> all right Oh, I yeah, get Terminator and Judgment Day after the Terminator movies because it was a quicker and easier and more memorable way to refer to them. Just looking at these teams, oh, Incredible Miracle One, Smeb Smurf. I, I was actually Smeb. good friend with uh, good friends with one of the players on Incredible Miracle One, uh, Mid King. Mid King. Mid King. Was like my, oh yeah, the the OG. Was, so a lot of the, so there used to be a like used to know a lot of the korean players if you were if you played on na high yellow back yes. in like season one season two because they didn't have a server so they literally played on na so i became good friends with mid king and when i went to korea to play in champions um or ogn i, I think it was called champions i don't even know it was called tournaments. champions yeah yeah when i when i went to play in champions i actually duoed with mid king he had a rank one and a rank two account 
and I do it with him on his rank two account, and we got rank two and, and rank fourteen. So he was always the homie. This guy ran fucking Korean solo queue. He was the best Korean solo queue player by far at that point. I guess until Faker came around, um, which I wasn't there for. Beast, beast player. I'm just yeah. I'm just looking at this summer season rosters. This is fun. Uh, Jenner Stealth, Fly, Captain Jack, Trace, Chaser, Jenner yep. Falcons, Pilot, GBM. Uh, big file miracle had core JJ and who he on it. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. This is good times. Okay. Uh, with all that said though, uh, there's your Goddard dog. That is your episode of the jungle covering MSI and more. Um, we will be back in two, two ish weeks to start breaking down the March towards worlds in the summer splits of your major regions. And of course, any of the big news and big uh, uh, upsets that happen across the world. Uh, thank you so much for watching. Thank you to Certo for making this happen. And then we'll catch you guys for next episode as we kick off the summer split. See ya.